Please join me in the confession of sin. Dearly beloved, we've come together in the presence of God, our Heavenly Father, to render thanks for the great benefits that we have received at His hand, to set forth His most worthy praise, to hear His holy word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and salvation. Oh, come, let us worship Him. Let us kneel and bow down before Him. Let us confess our sins with penitent hearts and obtain forgiveness by His infinite grace and mercy. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have strayed from Your ways like lost sheep. We have followed the devices and desires of our hearts. We have offended against Your holy law. We have done those things which we should not have done and we have not done those things which we should have done. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Spare us and restore us according to the promises you have declared to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. For his sake, grant that we may live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. Lift up your hearts with comfort and joy. The Almighty and merciful Lord has granted us pardon and forgiveness of all of our sins, grace for true repentance and amendment of life, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
lesson for this evening is taken from the final words of the book of the Revelation given to St. John, the 22nd chapter beginning with verse 18. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things that are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. When I was a little boy and studying our Sunday school lessons, I remember I was a little perplexed, puzzled by the fact that God would not let Moses go into the promised land. Here was this man who had served God faithfully and put up with so much difficulty from the Israelites, leading them all the way for 40 years through the desert, all the battles they had to fight, all the different things. Remember the golden calf and the, the parting of the Red Sea? All the things that God had used this servant to do. And now God refuses to let him go into the promised land. He does let him go up on the mountain to see, to look in at it, but forbids him to go in. And I used to think it just almost didn't seem fair. Of course, God had his reasons. And the very reason that God would not allow Moses to actually set foot in the promised land has to do with the text in front of us. And it had to do with God making the very point that he made through Moses in very similar sounding words to the ones I just read to you from John's revelation. Let me read to you from Moses' words to the children of Israel. And I want you to hear and think about how similar they sound to what I just read to you from Revelation. Moses said at that time to the children of Israel, you shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take away anything from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. You hear those similarities? Do not add to this word, do not take away from this word. These were the children of Israel who were bringing the Christ child, the Messiah, our hope of heaven, into the world. And God gave them very specific commands. His word was very tight and clear as to how he wanted them to live and act and carry out that important duty. And so it likewise is with the church today. The, the holy Christian church is the, we are the ones that bear the Christ child to the world. We bear the Christ to the world. We carry the gospel with us to the world. And so God also says to us, just like he said to the children of Israel through Moses, do not add to these things and do not take away from them. Do not add to my word and do not take away from it. Now, I always find it interesting that we find these words right at the end of what we think of as our Bibles today, uh, that last book that got put into the canon of Revelation. God the Holy Spirit certainly was well aware of how these books would often be placed in Scripture. But isn't it interesting that 
that God has this same mandate for his church today that closes out our New Testament, not to add anything, not to take anything away. During this entire week in the church year, Sexagesima, we've been talking about the importance that God's word has to us as members of the Church of Christ. And that word of God is really our only connection to God. It's through that word that God uh, comes to us, reveals himself to us. It's through that word that he establishes the sacraments. The word made flesh is Christ. And so where the word is taught and preached accurately, there our wonderful Savior is who brings us the hope of heaven, forgiving our sins, giving us the perfect holiness we need to get into heaven and the promises of everlasting life. That's why Jesus says about this word of God, the words that I give you, they are spirit and they are life. This isn't just information. It's not just a book of information, the way you look up a, a catalog or something on, on eBay. This is, this is God conveying real spiritual heavenly life to us through these words. And that's why St. Paul said about these words, they are able to make you wise to salvation. They're able to lift you out of your grave someday and take you right into the gates of heaven. So, it's absolutely crucial, God says, that we remain with that very precise word, that we know it, understand it, teach it, confess it, and stay accurately with what it tells us in every detail. Now, there are two great dangerous ditches that are described in our text that, um, that have been true dangerous ditches throughout time. And one is called legalism and the other is called liberalism. Satan's first words in the Bible are, did God really say? And that's really the temptation that we have as well today. With Satan whispering in our ear, did God really say? Is, is God's word really accurate and true when it says this? Satan likes to tell us two things. Maybe he says more, or maybe you don't need to take seriously what he actually has said. Does God really say? And every time that you and I are tempted to sin and fall away from his commandments, it's ultimately that same lie that's coming at us, isn't it? Does God really say do we really need to pay attention to that? Do we really need to be concerned about that? When a babysitter is given authority over a family's children, okay, and the parents leave certain rules and regulations for that babysitter to follow very precisely to make sure that the children are cared for while they're gone, she may let this power go to her head and decide I'm going to add more commands. I'm going to add more things than what the parents asked me to do. Or she might decide that she can be more lenient and not really follow at all what the parents want her to do. In either case, it's dangerous for the children. Both of them uh, could potentially be harmful for the children. But that's the same temptation that the devil brings to us and that is either add to the word of God, put more laws, more rules out there, and you see some church bodies that get very proficient at this, or we don't really need to listen to what it says. We don't really need to follow and care about all the things that Holy Scripture has said to us. And so we have a, a sinful tendency in us that likes to stray into one of these two ditches. 
Staying on that narrow path of God's truth and his word, which is where we have Christ alone and our hope of heaven, that is often challenging for us. We live in a culture that wants to throw us and push us down into the ditch of liberalism, that wants us to act as if, well, we don't really need to pay attention to all of the things that God would command us. And there's likewise threats to the church as well on the side of legalism. And that is we need to add more things and we need to come up with more rules that will make us better Christians or more pious before God, even things that God himself has not commanded. Now the devil could care less which ditch you fall into as long as it's one of them because one of the, any one of them, either one of them, will lead you off of Christ. It will lead you off of that narrow road of repentance and faith in your Savior and the wonderful hope of heaven that we have in him. Both deviations, both of these ditches, really appeal to our sinful human pride and cause us to remove God and his word from the authority in our lives and ultimately put us in the driver's seat, ultimately put us in the seat of authority. A Lutheran theologian around the turn of the century said this, George Steckart, if anyone dares to add anything to these words or minimize them, upon him God will once take awful revenge. Such an act is considered a sacrilege, a heinous crime. Anyone who, perpet who perpetrates such a hateful, hateful act deliberately, surely cannot be saved. And that's really the warning that, that St. John has been given here that we have before us in the text tonight. Now, this very tight warning from God underscores the significance of what the Word of God means to us and what it should convey to us and what it holds for you and for your future and all the blessings, all the wonderful treasures of Christ that it intends to give to you and to bestow upon us. This narrow path of faith keeps us on the road of repentance of our sins, but also reassures us regularly of God's wonderful grace, mercy, forgiveness, his kindness, and his great love that will draw us into heaven. That's why St. Paul said, everything that has been written in the past has been written for our learning. Even all the Old Testament stories uh, those have all been laid down by the Holy Spirit through the writers of Scripture for us to learn from, to help us stay on that same path that God's saints have always been on on their way to heaven. So God has very specifically measured out precisely what he wants and needs you and me to know. And his, his, his inspired word that we have before us is intrinsically authoritative because he is the one that caused it to be written. He left nothing out, and he didn't add more than he needed. He gave us exactly what we need. Isn't it interesting that during Jesus' temptation, when the devil was tempting him, that Jesus went to all places to quote the Bible, to quote his own word as a defense against the devil. Think how powerful it is. The Son of God himself, the Almighty God who sits on the throne of heaven, quotes the Bible in order to ward off and defend himself against the fierce work of the devil. 
And he, he takes that same wonderful sword of his word and he hands it to you and me through faith. And he says, use my word. This is the weapon that will defend you all the way into the gates of heaven. Blessed are you for having that wonderful word in your presence. Amen.
let us pray. Abide with us, Lord, for it is toward evening the day is far spent. Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us in the end of the day, in the end of our life, and in the end of the world. Abide with us with your grace and goodness, with your holy word and sacraments, with your strength and blessing. Abide with us when the night of affliction and temptation comes upon us, the night of fear and despair.